Yo, Joburg, everybody. Welcome to the GI Joburg panel on Iconicon 2021. This is the first panel I've ever given. Uh, forgive me if I'm a little bit loopy. I'm going to shake loose the energy. Fortunately, I'm not going it alone. We have the Iconicon royalty in attendance today, and I'm going to introduce the guests in turn. First up, from Reclaimers Vintage Toys. This is an Instagram account that is also an online vintage toy seller specializing in G.I. Joe toys, very nicely curated, but also with tons of good stuff. This is Matt Swafford. Matt, come on in, buddy. <laughs> well, I suppose it's a good idea to have a little hiccup in the front end of a live stream because it takes a little while for everyone to, to join us. But, um, in the meantime, I see some other gents waiting in the wings. This guy needs no introduction. It's Mr. Retroblasting himself, Michael French. Welcome to the stream, buddy. And this is Reclaimers. So, <laughs> oh, they're so that, that other one can be pulled down. That is our sound. There you go. Huzzah. Gotcha. There we go. Yep, yep. Good deal. So, Matt, please introduce yourself. Hello, I'm Matt with Reclaimers Vintage Toys. <laughs> can you hear him all right? We can hear both of you clear as a bell. Excellent, hey. excellent. And thank you for having us on G.I. Joburg. This is really exciting for me because I have been listening to your show for years. Like it is, uh -huh. it, it, it makes my commute when I had a commute awesome and I still keep up with your podcast. And then when I found out you were doing vehicle and toy uh, dra dramatic uh, recreations and skits and all that kind of stuff, I was like, what? So I, I also follow your YouTube channel as well. Um, and I know that we've kind of known each other for several years now, but just being on your show finally is really exciting for me. So I'm kind of nervous, honestly. Works both ways. I think we all are. Gee whiz, how do we break the ice? Do you guys have a stern drink? I mean, it's 10 p.m. for, for the East, East Coast. It'd be a bit strange if I was knocking one back at noon, or is it? I mean, it's happy hour somewhere in the world, right? That's right. That's true. That's absolutely true. <laughs> totally allowed. <laughs> uh, okay, so we got reclaimers. We got retro blasting. But rounding out the quartet, we have Tony from Analog Toys. Hello, Tony. Hello. I'm wearing my dusty T-shirt today. I thought uh, <laughs> this is the shirt for this Represent. Panel. And I see some classic comics in attendance as well. I think I might be the odd man out by by representing, I mean, <laughs> nonetheless, it's it's eighties cred, right? Um, oh, absolutely. But, uh, I don't, don't don't feel bad. I've got a Coke T-shirt on, so. and I'm, oh, I'm I'm just doing my normal Kylie thing. So, <laughs> of course. Well, Mike, I've yet to get the explanation about like why Kylie, but uh, perhaps perhaps we'll save that for another panel. Yeah, uh, I can, yeah, I, I, can <laughs> I can save it for another panel, but I can definitely tell you offline as well. But I I don't want to bore our Ooh. viewers with that and my my weird hobbies. So so yeah. Um, I'll That's a whole panel in itself. That. <laughs> yeah. We are four toy guys. Uh, obviously, mm -hmm. we have other interests too, like Kylie. But today we're talking oh. comics, which is something that mm -hmm. I think G.I. Joburg is kind of steered clear of. But no longer. Uh, I think we finally have the right company to do it in. Uh, this is a, a debate, I guess, with the outcome possibly determined by, by popular vo vote. But I think this is something that most comics fans are probably already decided on, right? We're, we're well, trying to sway the fence sitters, perhaps. Well, I think it's one of those things, just like with anything, when, when people kind of, they decide very quickly how they're going to lean on something, and it's the other person's job to kind of sway them back the other way. So I think that's well, what, it's a friendly debate. I feel like we're... I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a 
perhaps a, a prediction that uh, <laughs> you gents are representing the underdog in this Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But without further ado, anyone in the dark who hasn't scrolled as deep as the, uh, <laughs> the uh, description to this live stream, what is the topic? Matt, would you mind just um, unpacking that for us? Sure. I, I do want to quickly uh, say that your original idea was also a great one um, of doing the regular Joe series Marvel run versus the G.I. Joe special missions, which is uh, just a fantastic series. So, well, we'll uh, save that for the the content. Uh, yeah, know, just want to give you a shout out for that, though. But um, for yeah. this one, it's basically the first one, the first fifty issues of the GI Joe Marvel comic run um, versus the issue number fifty one through one hundred one. So, the first fifty issues and the second fifty issues. Um, which which run is better? Um, and <laughs> us being the underdog, <laughs> us being the underdog, everybody kind of, I feel like, you know, they think of number 21 and, and I'm not going to make all your points for you, but, um, Oh, you're welcome to it. It's, <laughs> it's, um, it, it's, it, there's really good stuff on both sides. So, um, that's, I think it's going to be a really fun debate because it's all good. Uh, mm -hmm. there's, there's really no loser. So, um, uh, perhaps, Perhaps before we get into the, the, the meat and potatoes of these arguments for 1 to 50 versus 50 and beyond, um, do you think there are other comic series under the G.I. Joe umbrella worth mentioning? Uh, we've got a great little super chat from Gen X Toys, uh, and he says, any love for the G.I. Joe Transformer crossover comics? Um, if he didn't specify which. <laughs> I think if Tim Witten were still here right now in the studio, um, he went home to get some sleep. It's been a long day for him too. Uh, I think he would be the defender of G.I. Joe Transformer crossover because he loves the Transformers comics. Um, he loves G.I. Joe. Are talking about but... the one from the 80s? Mm -hmm. the Herb yeah. Trimpey? Mm -hmm. Wow. I think so. Okay. Mm -hmm. yep. I'm going to beat the drum for Tom Scioli's Transform Transformers versus G.I. Joe. Oh, okay. That was some, some retro balls-to-the-wall fun, which... Yeah, it's it's a guilty pleasure. It's a very mm -hmm. Marmite series. You either love it or you hate it. I right. love it. It's possibly in contention for my like hot take favorite G.I. Joe series ever. Wow. Wow. It's just a melting pot of some great ideas. And if you can look past the kind of slightly puerile art style, which I do, which is I mean, I find it gorgeous. Um, it's it's got some good stuff. I'd definitely give it a reread if if you were a, a, a doubter. I, I have never I have never heard uh, somebody you know heap that I've never heard anything negative said about it but I've never heard anybody heap that kind of praise on it so I'm gonna give that a hearty Owen Wilson Wow Wow <laughs> <laughs> Oh Paul have you joined us Stephen There's a super chat here from Jack Toys Geek Jody for twenty five we just want to say thank you. Uh, those are euros, Everybody by the way, but I'm going to pound that fan. <laughs> and there's another one from Ryan Sweeney. <laughs> Ryan insists that I buy some Joe toys for my four-month-old son. Uh, I think that's some, some great great advice, Ryan. Get him started on the right foot. Well, if you're I looking for some... Bomb shadow. <laughs> if you're looking for now. some... <laughs> If you're looking for some Joes, I, I know a guy. <laughs> oh, feel free to punch your store, buddy. As I said before, if you're not aware of uh, Reclaimers Vintage Toys, check them out on Instagram. Like I said, very, very well curated, beautiful, um, 
good specimens <laughs> and at uh, reasonable prices. Uh, anyway, <laughs> gents, how do we how do we even crack this one open? I guess the opening gambit has to be from the proposal team. Uh, what is your head of argument? What uh, what would you like to to, to sway the the, the fence sitters on. Uh, you know, for people that might not be familiar with the GI Joe story, I think it. Uh, this is my suggestion: take it or leave it. I'm not. I got no ego in this. Maybe it would. It would be good to start with the first block and debate that first block because that will give some people who haven't read them an insight into chronologically what happens in the first half that we debate, and then we debate. You know, the the second half after that. I mean, as a foil um, rather than starting from. You know, I, yeah, know. I think it's better if you guys cover the one through 50 and, and what right. your points are on why it's the be- better run. And then we'll, I guess, counter because mm-hmm. um, if we go back and forth, it's going to get confusing. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. So, All right. Yeah. Um, well, Tony, do you want to take the first crack at this, my man? Well, so obviously I grew up in the UK with Action Force Weekly, which had um, a number of um Marvel UK stories in it mixed in with original G.I. Joe stories, but they were not exactly chronological. There was lots of standalone stories. So um, actually in, in preparation for this stream, I've, I've been going back rereading some of the, because uh, when I moved to Australia in the late eighties, I think one of the first, because in Australia we had G.I. Joe, a real American hero, the comic. And one of the first ones I picked up, I think was like the 25th anniversary um, of the inception of G.I. Joe. Um, so it's where, where, where Joseph Colton comes around. So <clears throat> I, I've had to, to reread a lot of this, but it, for me it's the introduction of so many classic characters, the way they were int- introduced. There is a number of standalone issues. Now I know everyone's going to jump to obviously issue 21, mm-hmm. um, but I'm actually going to go out on a limb and I say that I think issue 34 is the single uh, greatest <laughs> Um, like single issue comic story in the entire GI Joe run, uh, Shakedown. So and that's, um, that's, that's, that's the, what uh, I'm championing. And that's Tony. That's the one. Uh, is that that's re- refresh my memory? That's the uh, the dogfight, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So Wild Weasel and the Rattler against. Um, uh, is it Wild Weasel and the Baroness? I think. Yes. Mm-hmm. Versus Ace yeah. and uh, Lady J in the Sky Striker. Yep. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> For my part, yeah. and I think what you were hoping we'd do, Matt, is a, like a timeline just to kind of situate people as to what happens. I think the, the key events that we are, we're, we're aiming for here is issue 50 and the lead up to issue 50 is establishing the team, establishing the conflict, bringing in the kind of the support players like the General Flags, the Dr. Venoms, the October Gods, um, which were not action figure characters, and these were Larry Hammer's kind of world building, the the setting, the pit, and Springfield, yeah. uh, and all, it all the major, in yeah. GI in, in Cobra discovering the location of the pit, mm-hmm. and GI Joe somehow smoke screening them to to kind of attack them and then move on, and in the process, the leader of GI Joe, ostensibly General Flag, is killed. Mm-hmm. Um, then we have the ultimate retaliation on Cobra. G.I. Joe finally learned the location of Springfield, but it's a hollow victory because Cobra is able to fully evacuate their kind of support staff, their civilian populace, to the newly created headquarters, Cobra Island, which 
has uh, become a nation almost as kind of a, a terrorist nation. It's its own sovereign state. Um, and that is, that is pretty neatly where issue 50 ends. Like that is the status quo. Um, the conflicts amongst the, the villains has been established. No one trusts anybody. Dr. Venom is dead. The Baroness uh, has been horribly burned, but then has recovered. Uh, Major Blood is scheming to, to kill Cobra Commander using his son. Like these layers of intrigue have all been kind of sewn into um, the tapestry of G.I. Joe. And then 51 onwards is the slow build towards the Civil War. Because yep. in issue 50, we've established Serpentor as like the new threat. Um, and the Civil War is kind of the tentpole event of the later run. Of course, there are other fantastic diversions into Barovia. We'll probably get into that. I imagine that's a, a very strong um, argument in favor of the proposition, gents. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. Uh, but the, the culmination of issue 100 is the return of the true and rightful Cobra Commander because... Mm -hmm. Yep. I mean, anyone familiar with the comics know that in the Civil War era and thereafter, we are dealing with an imposter, Fred, <laughs> Fred Seven in uh, the battle armor Cobra Commander look. Right. Yep. Um, so is that is that a sufficient pricey, gents? Yeah, that's kind of that's, that's a good overview of, of each block, I think. Um, so basically, I guess just. I, you know, we will go back and forth because um, we have, you know, there, we got plenty of time. So, <laughs> um, so why don't you guys start with like that first, you know, maybe a rundown on the first 10 or, or so issues. Oh, we'll never get through it. We'll never get through 90 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, well, look, if I mean, you, if you want, as a, as a, a point of departure, I think the easiest way to, to, for, for us to kind of state our case right. is, and to state it to everyone who's scratching their heads thinking like, why am I making this decision <laughs> to begin with? Let's have a hypothetical. Let's no. say you have a two-week vacation planned with mm -hmm. little to no distractions, a great hammock maybe. I mm -hmm. don't know, picture your favorite kind of relaxing <laughs> environment to read comic books. Uh, and, and you have, are specifically mandating yourself, I'm going to read some excellent, excellent comic books. And you can't go wrong with G.I. Joe, a real American hero. If you're a fan right. of toys, if you're a fan of compelling comic books, you can't go wrong. But two weeks is a finite enough period of time. So do you read the beginning of the team leading up to the assaults on Springfield? That's 50 issues. Is, you know, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's conceivable you'll be able to get, be able to get through that in two weeks. Mm -hmm. Or... Do you aim for the latter half of the 80s, dealing with the Civil War, Cobra Commander, imposter, imposter, the kind of deepening of the Arashikage mystery, and ultimately the return of the true CC? So yes, that is why you're making this decision. Time is finite. Which would you prefer to read? Oh, Storm Shadow's back. There's some more super chats. It's crazy up in here. <laughs> One's from Jim Largo. Wow. Thank you, Jim Largo. He says, maybe Tony can tell us how the Action Force comics compare and contrast to these Joe comics. Thanks, gents. <laughs> and also, Sergeant Slaughter's Slaughterhouse. Nice video, by the way. Here is a bribe to say something nice about Sergeant Slaughter's very small appearance in the comic. That wasn't me. That was the Sergeant. 
Your Muslim uncle says, I'm sure Michael remembers the commercials for the comics. Did they have them abroad as well? Even if they were country-specific versions of Joe. <laughs> and now you can answer quickly before you get into your debate. <laughs> I'm going to take the middle point first. Sarge, uh, Ten Hut, uh, glad to have you with us. This is a cheap shot to get your vote. Uh, but the sergeant's, Sergeant Slaughter's debut appearance is within the first 50 issues. It's right at the tail end, but it's an issue called Slaughter. He makes his appearance and immediately lays the pain on Zartan in his debut. So if that swings your vote, Sarge, I'll, I'll take it. Thanks. And Tony, do you want to talk about the, the action force or the, or, I, I assume they mean the, the battle, battle action force, uh, paper, paper rags. No, I, I, I believe he's referring to Action Force Weekly. That's the comic oh, right. that I, okay. I talk about all the time. Came out in 1987. Um, I think it was Jim who asked that, that, sent that super chat. Jim, that is a whole discussion on, on its own. So I will answer that, but I'm going to do that in a completely separate live stream, maybe three weeks after Iconical, once I've had some <laughs> sleep. <laughs> and Tony, uh, I mean, if you have room on that live stream or a, a future live stream, I'd love to one day talk about the, the battle books. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's it's own kettle of fish. And I mean, just stylistically so different. You know, they don't use any kind of sound effect. Like there's no onomatopoeia in the... On the, on the comic book page. Something that we mm. so associate with comics, like rat-a-tat-a-tat, blam, blam, blam. That, the thing that struck me immediately was like, wow, there, there are no sound effects. We're just kind of making them up in our mind. Interesting. Maybe, it's, wow. maybe that's the way it should be done. Maybe, you know, page real, real estate is really uh, valuable. So why take it up with, with lettering that ultimately we kind of do with our own brains? I kind Anyways, of agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Especially now in the kind of the more digital art styles where the the sound effects are like an overlay. So it's mm -hmm. not embedded in the art style anymore. It's like it kind of is a visual distraction to me, but yep. I guess I'm just an old cantankerous. Old yeah, I mean, I mean, you you look ancient. So <laughs> well, I ran a comb through my hair because Tony's got some obsession in the, the opening uh, ceremonies with, with <laughs> grading men on their their hairstyles. <laughs> it's not something I'm at all. <laughs> uh, Mike, do you want to speak to the other super chat about the the commercials? Uh, yeah, I, I remember those commercials. I'm sure Matt does too. You know, you know, uh, they would have kind of like a, a little synopsis, and then it would be find out in Marvel Comics. You know, and it was it, they had like the laser lights behind the the comic issue. Uh, you know, keep up with GI Joe's adventures in Marvel Comics. And um, I remember seeing those commercials for many, well, not many years, but the first half of GI Joe, especially the first. I think it was like the first twenty or so issues. Mm -hmm. They uh, they had their own animation. Um, produced for it and it was really it, i love watching them they were so fast but that animation was gorgeous and mm -hmm. i wish that carried over into the to the cartoon series but again that's a whole nother panel um <laughs> i know well i think but, the animation budget for those shorts for the the commercials was obviously obviously swollen and it yeah. had a huge impact on the comic sales yeah and of course it was all to thank for um the the deregulation of it or, or at least comic books weren't regulated the same way toys were so they could get right. away with slamming these toys into a sensibly a comic book uh commercial the first yeah. time i ever knew about gi joe in 1982 was those comic book commercials and oh, that's nice. what whetted my appetite for oh my god I, we got to go out and get these you know like and this, of course larry had thing. to 
to work those commercials square peg round hole into his <laughs> stories somehow. It was like, oh, there's a commercial that has the swamp skier and the, uh, um, the water moccasin. So I guess I've got to have like a story where Zartan just plows over a water moccasin at one point. <laughs> Stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyways, gents, we've blown a little bit off course, I guess. Um, for me, <laughs> if, if we're going to address things in turn ever so slightly, I think the first 10 issues of G.I. Joe are unassailable. Okay. They are bulletproof. Mm -hmm. uh, this is actually a point that I, this, is go, this goes beyond the point I need to make. Uh, this is kind of me proving things that I don't, don't need to, to sway the argument. But like, if there was a, a comic series that I can read cover to cover and cover to cover again, it's those first 10 issues. Because I guess it holds a lot of cards close to the chest. There mm -hmm. are inklings, uh, there are threads that are going to be pulled at much later. And oftentimes, as we'll find in, in most pop culture, the, uh, the setup always surpasses the payoff. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a sad truth of any, any storytelling. Uh, you have to conclude things one way and you're never going to make everybody happy. Uh, but those 10 issues, just the way they deal with personifying each Joe, I think, I, I think we have a good sense of what each of the original 13 is like. Mm -hmm. I think Larry made a point of drawing from real life people that he had met to inform those characters. I think the only one I can't really define would be poor old Grand Slam. <laughs> he, he, did have a, he did have a pretty good uh uh moment um i believe it's an issue number 12 is that the uh, one where he's smashing through the he, he, uh the he jumps on a bus and he uh he's yeah. chasing major blood and he beats the brakes off major blood <laughs> yeah, yeah um, he does have that moment but other than that i don't think we ever see grand slam other than just a you know, just a real quick. Yeah. Smattering. He doesn't even get like a send off, like grunt going to college on the GI bill or whatever it was. He just yep. disappears. You know, I, I, I really agree with what you're saying, Stephen, about those first issues. You know, I, I think, I think issue number one and two are, are some of the best comic books have ever been written. I mean, they, they really are just rock solid. Like you said, uh, issues they're, they're, I, I read issue number one in the G.I. Joe yearbook because I, as a kid, I couldn't get my hands on the actual number one at the height of this comic's popularity mm. then. Um, so I had the G.I. Joe yearbook number one and I read issue number one 25, 30, 40, 50 times. I can't remember. It was, it was really good. And I couldn't wait when I finally owned issue number two. Uh, the snow, the snow, uh, I won't want to call it adventure. Panic the at the North Pole. Yes, yes. The mission and then ending it just visually knowing that you know, Snake Eyes has taken on, you know, the mantle of the the hunter and, and you know, implying that, oh, they, they really did get their quarry. Like they they got all those guys. I mean, it's, it's very good visual storytelling. Where I start to, when I had to think about this for this live stream, you know, what, what side am I going to be on? One to 50 or 51 to 100? That, that was where I started to struggle because I thought, well, I love the original 13 guys. However, and I love Herb Trimpey's art, but the, the, the comic was trying to find its footing a little bit, and it was still using some late 70s comic book tropes of like, hey, this is the issue where the pit gets invaded by a big robot, you know, and oh, this is the, this is the issue where the, and I'm not saying that these issues are bad in their, in their own merits. I actually, I, I'm not actually, I enjoy reading them. I have all the trades, you know, for all all the run but 
it sometimes doesn't quite feel like G.I. Joe. It feels like they're trying to figure out what G.I. Joe is yeah. in the in this first, I'd say in the first 20 issues, definitely. Because by Shakedown, they definitely have figured out what G.I. Joe is. Oh, yeah. And then it's a matter of getting that full roster in there, and then suddenly the dam breaks, and you start having, you know, the, you've set up the chess pieces by issue 50, and by issue 51, the game is on from where I'm standing. Yeah. Um, I would agree with that. The... Uh, well, they also in 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 their in the defense of that, they didn't have a whole lot of Cobra to throw at GI Joe. Uh, there was the original thirteen, and and GI Joe had all the equipment, and there was a Cobra soldier and a Cobra officer and a Cobra commander. You know, for the most part, um, they had the Baroness, but that wasn't in the toys yet. So they had to kind of like, well, we don't know what we're going to have. We're going to are we going to have jets? Are we going to have water tanks? Are we going to have like they didn't know, and there was a lot of. Uh, like it, the first 10 issues to me feel almost like a late 60s shield uh, comic book mm-hmm. um, where it's they've got that kind of future tech from the 60s. The pit looks that like feel. that architecturally on the yep. inside. It looks like they've repurposed a 60s man from uncle building, which is not bad like yeah, that. It's still but, cool. it, but it definitely yeah. has a it definitely has a borrowed aesthetic versus yep. what they would establish as a G.I. Joe aesthetic a little later on. Yeah. Um, I think once they once. I think it's issue 13 mm-hmm. uh, when Snake Eyes, uh, Gung Ho, Stalker, and Breaker go down to, to South America. I feel like that's, and I like those first issues, don't get me wrong. I feel like that's when they're like, okay, now the story kind of is 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 unfolding in front of us. Uh, before that, it kind of more, it felt like, now they're in the snow. Now they're doing this. Now they're doing this. Now there's it's, now it's kind of hot. Now they've got to get their tank back from the parade before Cobra captures it, yeah. and the you know they have to get through Cobra's gauntlet, you know, to get the tank back or whatever. And it's it's Steeler trying to get the Mobat through yeah. the city. Um, and that's not again. I want to make it clear to everybody listening right now. <laughs> this was this was not a situation where two guys who hate the last 50 issues are against two guys who hate the first 50 issues. There's no hate here. I've, I grew up reading all of these. So like one of the, one of my favorite issues in the whole run is issue 31 where Destro goes and Firefly go after snake eyes in his cabin. Brilliant issue. Brilliant issue. Um, I, I, it was one of, it was, it was one of uh, three very first GI Joe back issues. I bought as a child at the comic shop at downtown Nashville. Like, because I read a little asterisk in one of the other books I got off the newsstand, and it said, you know, this event happened in GI Joe issue thirty-one, and I'm like, I have to get that issue. Yep. Um, so I want everybody to understand we're just debating the merits, but we we all love the runs, so the whole run. So I'm going to respond to something both of you raised. Mm-hmm. So, Mike, you said that the the chess pieces were more firmly established by the the latter half of the eighties. Mm-hmm. I'd argue that quite literally the chess pieces were established by Destro in issue 21. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then Matt, um, the, the, the feel of those first 10 to 12 issues is kind of what the role that special missions occupied in the latter half of the eighties. So all of a sudden these one shot issues were being pumped into special missions. Whereas in the early days of G.I. Joe, fine, they were trying to find their feet in terms of the makeup of the team and what the the basis of the conflict is and who the major players are. So those first 10 to 12 issues do read like special missions. And that, I think, is key to the appeal. 
So by selecting issues one to 50, you get that all incorporated into one nice little capsule. I, I do agree with that. That's, that's, that's a great way to look at it. Um, I still like special missions better than those issues, but I, I definitely concede that they, they, they have that structure where it's here's a mission, here's a mission, here's a mission. Um, and they're kind Monster of, of the self-contained. Yeah, they're self-contained. Mm -hmm. Tony, we haven't heard from you in a while. What I have to say about <laughs> all these <laughs> Tony. <laughs> I, I will kind of concede that I, I think there are a, a, a few problems in the in the first few issues. Um, but one of the things I, I particularly like the most about those very, very early comics is the visual depiction, actually, of Cobra. The, the very first issue where... Uh, I think it's, it's, it's a Cobra Commander and the Baroness, and they're kind of looking down into a parade ground with all the army. I really liked the way um, Cobra were drawn in those comics, um, really had that sense of this evil organization, and, and they, they looked like a huge army. Like, I know they hadn't fleshed out yet what all the other toys in the line were going to be, but to me, I just saw this big army of, of darkly uniformed, um, faceless warriors and... Uh, I enjoyed that. Well, they, yeah, they had Might more be a of valid a... point to ask, like, do you like your blue shirts or do you like your vipers? It kind of also <laughs> characterizes <laughs> this debate. Blue yeah, shirts. There's, there's something very sinister about that, even more sinister than the mirror faces. I mean, I'll always like the blue shirts over the bats and the vipers. I mean, mm -hmm. that's, that's a given. Um, one of the things that I found fascinating about the comic when I did, finally discovered it in, in childhood was that a lot of those elements stuck around, whereas they were already gone in the toy line. So in the comic book, you know, you get Stalker and Scarlet all the way through. You get some of the standard Cobra Troopers in the background all the way through. You know, you you have you have those elements. They're not being phased out of plastic like they were at Hasbro, which I also found very interesting because looking back on it as an adult, I've even asked I asked Larry Hama in person, uh, Dragon Con how did you manage to pull that off, you know, and not have all that stuff taken out by mandate? And his answer to me was, he was like, it was amazing. He goes, Hasbro just kind of sent me what they wanted in the book, you know, kind of quarter to quarter. But beyond that, they didn't really police me. I could do whatever hmm. I wanted. So um, that, that kind of thing. Yeah. They're, the blue shirts are more prevalent in the first half because of just the artwork at the time and what was on the store shelves, but they're still, you know, kind of around, admittedly a lot less, but they're still there, you know, in places. So. Yep. Got to work in the toys though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's nice to see. Oh, we've got some super chats. Boom. Hello, Storm Shadow. Grindhead Jim sends us a super chat. My vote goes to who can tell me the issue number that saw Scarlet and Stalker being held in a town fronting for a Cobra base. Drugged up on psychotropics. Was that? Issue? Oh, um, issue ten. Yes, I was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I do think it might have been Zap, unless unless Grindhead Jim has a, another issue in mind altogether. But yes, the drugged drugged yeah. out uh, issue was was ten. That's the first introduction of Billy, uh -huh. though he wasn't so named in that issue. It was also the first time I think we saw a glimpse of. Snake Eyes' ninja training mm -hmm. all, all, all the way as early as issue 10 because he un, he's under the influence of the brainwave scanner and right. he's trying to block out the location of the pit, which is what right. Dr. Venom is trying to, to get out of him. And so he, he throws up all these other memories like 
the the, the training in Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah interesting Eyes question, Grindhead. Darren Cobb says, Snake Eyes is weak. <laughs> Darren Cobb <laughs> says, Oscar Mike, I think that's an endorsement. <laughs> Chris Miwa of Chasing 80s Toys. Love seeing those Joes behind Tony climbing down the Ghostbusters headquarters. I also like that. And Storm Shadow version 2. Paul, brilliant mate. Who's Paul? <laughs> I love that Storm Shadow sounds like Aunt B from the Andy Griffith show. <laughs> Andy, whoopee. <laughs> Classic the Fly Attractor. Classic Marvel comic run was good to decent until it went ninja crazy towards the end. Made Power Rangers seem tame. Angry nephew. Go. <laughs> Randall Guzik. Favorite G.I. Joe artisan cover, if you can answer. No. I've always defaulted to Trimpy. Because he was the first, and then he took on the the special missions run almost entirely. Mm-hmm. But uh, I did, I, you know, I I took the time, gents. I read all one hundred and one issues, and wow. my vote's pretty divided now. There's merits to every every artist that worked on the book. To be honest, maybe especially you guys have a more definitive uh, answer. During that first hundred issues, especially, there wasn't a bad artist. Um, I think in from one hundred and one to one hundred and fifty-five, there there was some really questionable stuff. Um, <laughs> but I, I'd say Herb Trimpey was probably my favorite. But I really liked, um, um, oh god, Rod Wiggum. Rod Wiggum. I really liked his yeah. stuff. Um, I, yeah. I looked at all their names before we came down too, and I was like, okay. uh, Marshall Rogers did a really good job as well. Um, he didn't do too many. And, um, but I really like the ones that he worked on. I can't answer with any definitive uh, statement who my favorite artist is, but I can tell you that my favorite cover of all time has to be 91. Uh, uh, yeah, wait, 91. There it is. Sorry. Wow. I, didn't, I didn't, because that as a kid captivated me. I started in with issue 61. Um, that was where I, I jumped in and then I quickly got the yearbook and everything like that. But issue 91, when I see Snake Eyes and Scarlet and Jinx surrounded by Arashikagi ninjas who are just, you know, want, wanting revenge for something that they don't even understand, you know, what, you know, they've got all the wrong facts. Um, that was, I mean, I, I, could, I snatched that off the spinner rack at Walden Books so fast. Um, it was the coolest looking cover. Uh, and it was so cool, in fact, to me that issues 92 and 93 were a disappointment because it was like, Oh, thunderclap. I mean, it ended up being a good issue, but it was like, I want, you know, and and again, this is pre ninja. This is pre the comic book going ninja force crazy after issue a hundred. But this was just kind of, like I said, those chess pieces were on the move and they were, you know, doing things. And at the end of this issue, if I recall, Zartan uh, kills the blind master, right? And then he he goes yeah. off and uh, pretends to be the blind master because he's realized he's about to ruin a little boy's life. Um, it, I mean, it's it's such a it's such a cool issue with such a great cover. I will be quiet now. I I know that you know, <laughs> I did I did want to say my favorite cover is number fifty three Pitfall, uh, where it's Snake Eyes. It's the the stoic 
uh, bust of Snake Eyes, basically, and he's holding the Uzi. And it's got the, uh, I think, the 25th anniversary of Marvel, where all uh-huh. the characters are around him. Um, that part I don't as much care about. But I love that image of just Snake Eyes kind of, you know, like profiling. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. My runner-up cover would be G.I. Joe yearbook number two. Excellent. Tony, got a favorite cover in mind, favorite artist? Well, my my all-time favorite comic cover of any comic is, I'm going to go back to Action Force Weekly again, Action Force Weekly issue two with um, Snake Eyes and Scarlet um, chasing a cobra eel through the London mm-hmm. underground or the London sewer. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not as, as up to speed on who the different artists are, but that is my all-time favorite comic cover, always will be. Um, always has been so it's a good pick that's beautiful I, I couldn't remember the artist's name off- offhand as well but uh, <clears throat> yeah lovely stuff anyways gentlemen the debate it's yes. still raging um, <laughs> I guess what I'd like to, to, to make note of and maybe this only applies to me maybe I just have a poor memory but when doing the reread I started with 51 to 101 because I had a little bit of difficulty remembering mm-hmm. the beats mm-hmm. of it. Yep. Everyone knows about the Civil War, mm-hmm. but as for the rest, sort of machinations with Cobra, um, Billy, Cobra Commander, uh, Cobra Commander's apparent death, um, then the conflict between Fred Seven and, and Serpentor, the sort of underhandedness, and then what that gives way to, like that stuff seemed unfamiliar to me. Um, whereas when reading 1 to 50, I had a kind of a nostalgia linked to everything. I did a kind of a cover spread and I was like, yeah, I know what happened in that one. I know what happened in that one. That one. Okay, cool. Yep. I'm, I think I'm pretty, pretty good to go. So <laughs> is that because the first 50 are memorable or am I just a weirdo? It might be timing of when you, like you said, you, you remember the nostalgia of those issues in the first half. Whereas I freely admit, you know, I started with a tattered issue of number 61, uh, and, and kind of worked my way backwards a little bit as those comics referenced earlier issues, but also I kept going forward on the on the news rack, uh, spinner rack um, at the at the news agent. So for me, uh, I remember my first memories are Snake Eyes and Scarlet faking their own death to save Stalker, Quick Kick, and Snow Job from Barovia after Outback gets away from that Eastern Block, and then mm. Storm Shadow teaming up with them to get him into that gulag and get them out. And then, uh, you know, the whole thing with Fred. And I mean, my very first issue of, of G.I. Joe, I read issue 61 is when Cobra Commander gets shot in the back and killed by Fred. Yeah. Which is like, wait, what? Wow, this mm-hmm. really isn't a cartoon with lasers, is it? Um, and, <laughs> so what, and, what, what, what year would that have come out around issue 61? Uh, 87? 87. Yeah. 87. Okay. So, so how was that for you, Michael? With, so you would have watched the cartoon first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was staggering. It was mind flipping. Um, It all, it all came together when storm shadow version two came out on the pegs. And I saw that tattoo on his arm, which I had seen in the comics. And I was like, Oh yeah. The, 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 the action figure line ties in to the comics, not the cartoon. That's why the action figure of lady J has a cap like she does in the comic. You know, I was making all these connections, uh, you know, suddenly. And um, the, especially when I got, I finally, I, I finally, my comic reading got ahead of Hasbro. So I got established, I'm reading the comic. And then you get to the Snake Eyes trilogy, which is here. 
And in the Snake Eyes trilogy, he gets the new, the third outfit, the third uh, incarnation, which then came out, you know, in, on the pegs. And I'm like, I know why Snake Eyes now looks like that as an action figure because I've been reading the book, you know. It because was, he stole the uniform ele elements from like some S&M weirdos. When I first mm -hmm. read that issue, I was like, I loved this Snake Eyes look until the moment I find out that like the mask came from a gimp. Yeah, <laughs> literally. <laughs> they're, they're, they're executioners, Stephen. And oh, okay, we're, okay, we're still PG thirteen, right? <laughs> but 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 I grant you, they're a little on the you say the masochistic side, BDSM. But that's it. Yes, but I will say this: it also proves that Snake Eyes can make lemonade from lemons. He can take he can take it all that all that bad and reinvent it and make it awesome. So he doesn't mind wearing someone else's sweaty trousers. <laughs> he does what he's oh, got to do. <laughs> he is commando after all. <laughs> Terrible. Well, he does I'm a dad house, now. Man. I get to make these kind of jokes. You can. You absolutely can. But that I I, I know I'm skipping over a few things uh, in in the latter half as well. Matt, keep me honest. Um, oh yeah. There's the whole, I love the whole thing. I, going back to my toys, finding out that the, the, what I called Robo Cobra Commander was a Crimson Guard guardsman who was disgruntled and wanting to, you know, take over and seeing him in the comic, you know, colluding with Baroness and trying to stay, you know, stay under the radar and, you know, Dr. Mindbender and all those guys being kind of suspicious uh, of what was going on and um, all of that. Uh, I found very compelling. I found yeah. I, as a kid, I, I could understand the intrigue and I could follow it. Um, well, I love that they they were they were fleshing out all of these characters. You know, like I even characters I hated. Like I hated Serpentor as a toy when it came out. I hated him in the cartoon. I was like, that's not my Cobra leader. Cobra Commander is, and you know he um and and as soon as Larry Hama could get rid of Serpentor he did in a very quick fashion <laughs> where it's like hey i'm here telling a story whack dead done um so i love that like he said in like like a uh, battle armor cobra commander when that came out i'm like well, wait why does he need that he's already you know cobra commander in his normal outfit and and the helmet so the fact that it was a different person then it, it to 10 year old me i was like Oh, okay. This this is cool. I can roll with this. You know, there was a I lot of things. I think you stumbled upon a point that I wanted to make, and that's perhaps um, a weak link in the latter half mm -hmm. uh, of of the the, the run that under discussion. Mm -hmm. um, and it's the fact that Serpentor never really lived up to his promise. Yeah. Uh, Rereading the issues, his creation, his appearance at the Battle of Springfield, and his ultimate sort of victory over the hearts and minds um, of the man in the trenches, the blue shirt. Like, mm -hmm. so Pencil had the Cobra army in his thrall mm -hmm. and one expected a civil war to break out between the real Cobra commander and Serpentor. And then, uh, you know, I almost wanted Serpentor to, to come out on top. Um, it, was, it was a bit of a sucker punch the way he was dispatched. Um, this yeah. was a threat that should have gone on to like bring G.I. Joe to its knees. I think, yeah, just coming back to my initial point that Serpentor never lived up to his promise. 
if you were to read issues one to 50 and then kind of forgot what happened, like the potential that he has remains unsullied. Whereas in the, the time that he had Cobra, Cobra under his power, he didn't really do anything, did he? I mean, it was like yeah. Mindbender was kind of in the driving seat of Cobra because the focus became selling the pterodromes mm-hmm. to, to yep. nations and, and getting them under the sort of the, the paranoia way, uh, Ray influence. He had a lot of ambition, uh, especially in those, those 20 issues leading up to the Cobra civil Island uh, or civil war on the Island. He had a lot of ambition and he had a plan to, like you said, the, the pterodromes were, were not bases to conquer. They were, they were basically like Trojan horses, um, mm. with the, uh, the secret signal that turned people aggressive and all that. And they did that to, to basically, Oh, well, you're going to need to buy more of these. So it, it was a business move. They basically turned Serpentor into a businessman and kind of ironically when he's, he should be a warlord. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so it was, a, it was kind of an odd thing. And he was like, we're going to take this in a new direction. He was basically like when they bring a new manager into a job, um, and he's like, okay, forget all this stuff. We're going to get rid of all these these old timers. Here's where we're going into the future. And the the hierarchy at Cobra kind of shaking up after issue 50. Destro uh, goes back home, um, mm-hmm. finds Major Blood impersonating him in his castle, beats the snot out of him, <laughs> um, and kind of goes from there and says, you know what? I'm done with these guys. I'm going to do my own thing, and I'm going to play both sides against each other. And I'm going to sell, you know, services and, and weapons to both sides. And um, again, a, a businessman. And mm-hmm. so Zartan kind of Zartan, Mindbender, uh, Zorana, they all kind of step into that and the Baroness step into that that leadership support role. And um, like you said, it was kind of a sucker punch uh, for Zartan to take him out. But to me. Zartan was the best field commander of Cobra ever. Um, wow. He was the smartest uh, military mind that they had other than Destro. And he kind of proved it by, you know, it was like, you know what? Every, all through the, uh, the Cobra Island Civil War, he's literally telling Fred, uh, Fred Seven, do this, do that. We need to do this. And he's not listening. And so finally, he's just like, you know what? Screw this. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to take I'm care of this with one conclusion. arrow. Yeah. Crazy, crazy, somewhat OP. I mean, certainly him evading capture by basically like mystiquing the entire time he's in the pit. Like mm-hmm. there were elements of superhero comic books way beyond yeah. the initial 10 ro- issues. I mean, Larry, yeah, there were no rules that applied to certain characters, it seemed. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, hello, Dr. Mindbender. Oh, did somebody oh. say Mindbender? <laughs> <laughs> we have some more super chats. Storm Shadow needed the bathroom. <laughs> Chris, did you guys find the cartoon or the comics first? I found the comics after the cartoon. Loved that the comics were more grounded. Hmm. Uh, I I found the cartoon first, um, and then I discovered the comic around I guess 1987 with GI Joe issue number 61. Um, but it, w- I, uh, no, that's not true. I was reading comics from the next door neighbor uh, earlier than that because I read Shakedown and GI Joe Yearbook, but I never made the connection that they w- superseded the cartoon. I always thought they were just an alternative 
Um, but when I started actually reading as a devoted collector with 61, that's when I started to pick it up. Yeah. But you had the toys from 82, right, Mike? Yes. I They sprinkled in from 82 to 85. Like I would get pieces here and they're like the hovercraft. And I, my first one was the vamp with straight arm clutch. I had straight arm flash, straight arm grunt. I had the APC. And then slowly, as I realized Star Wars was never coming back and all these other toy lines in the mid 80s, like Voltron and Silverhawks and stuff weren't sticking around because there wasn't enough there. I was like, wow, G.I. Joe is like the love of my life that I've been neglecting because I've been out looking everywhere else when it's right here. And so I started really collecting, you know, in uh, 87. Yeah. Mm. Captain Power was my last letdown. I was like, no, <laughs> I won't be let down again. I'm with you, Joe. I'm with you, Joe, till the end. So, I screwed up. Take me back. Yeah. Silly TV toys. Rick Shattered Glass Jazz. <laughs> One of my major G.I. Joe brand moments as a kid was reading issues 21 to 27 of the comic. Zartan, Snake Eyes, and Storm Shadow also loved Mike Zek covers. Another vote for the early half of the 80s. Yeah. Mike Zek did some amazing work. Red Show Studio. Yo, I I can't even see it. (laughs) 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 There's another one here. Randall Guzik. Thoughts on IDW's Hermo continuation with the spoiler Death of True Snake Eyes by Serpentor. Hmm. Um, I don't read the modern ones. Um, I, I tried. No <laughs> I tried. I tried picking up the continuation going forward. And I was so weird because it was like within the first three pages, there was like a splash page of Storm Shadow in his old uniform and Baroness. And they're like waiting for Cobra Commander to show up. And I'm going, I'm pretty sure that Baroness was out of the comic and Storm Shadow was a good guy by the end of this run. So how are they doing the hard reset on this? Um, mm. kind of felt like a proto Force Awakens kind of thing going on. Eh. How Han Solo a problem that, that that there's a lot of recycling of mm. old ideas mm-hmm. because I guess you know why not go back to the well? You've earned you know you've done the hard hard yards, Mister Larry Harmer. Like, and and this the conflict between GI Joe and Cobra is circular. Right. You know, if they constantly are discovering each other's bases, attacking them, winning, losing, drawing, and then, you know, it, it, it starts again, which was already starting to happen in the classic comic run. Mm-hmm. Now we're 30, 40 years into the future. Like, <laughs> there have yeah. been multiple retreadings of the same ground. And boy, oh boy, the brainwave scanner is still very much in effect. Which <laughs> leads me to a point I'd like to make. Okay. That these recycling of ideas was were clearly happening within the latter part of the 80s. The brainwave scanner was becoming uh, a, a tried and tired trope already. And while there was only one attack on the pit within the first 50 issues, in the second 50 issues, we've got no less than three attack attempts. Mm-hmm. So there was a sense that like maybe we're doing the same thing. The conflict is kind of evergreen. No one really gets a, a leg up. Which becomes problematic, I guess. Well, there's only one successful attack on the pit, though. The other two, uh, one was a red herring, and then the other one was, uh, they just basically, what did they do? 
the, they moved. the python the python patrol yeah they yeah. uh they moved the the quonset huts um they just uh, moved them was, across the desert yeah sure yeah. and and the, the the huts were attacked and destroyed and nothing was found underneath and then in, i think in issue 100 the attack was supposed to happen at the behest of um, Clutch and, and Rock and Roll tearing right, up right, 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 the right. interior yeah. of the pit and therefore giving away its location That's uh, right. to the Pythonized forces on on the surface led by Zorana. But there are two great sins in that. The one is the use of the brainwave scanner mm-hmm. <laughs> or right. overuse of the brainwave scanner. Don't cackle at me, Dr. Mindbender. Um, <laughs> and, and the other great sin is the fact that like Clutch and Rock and Roll being cobra plants was something that was built up over a number of issues and then didn't have any real payoff no it kind of fizzled out so i I cannot debate that sir you you are objectively correct Mm -hmm. Ah. g hatfield gi joe comics led me to a lifetime of comics collecting when original gi joe cartoon aired i thought it was ongoing when Tom and Jerry aired the next Monday, I punched a hole in my wall. <laughs> I can relate. <laughs> Speaking of brainwave scanners, I have been checking out the brainwave scanner for the poll results on this debate. It's what? They've already started polling? Yes, I've been polling throughout <clears throat> the whole episode. But now is the last chance, gentlemen. Make sure you get all of your last-minute points in, and then we will pull up the results and see which is best part of the comic books. By my collective intelligence, (laughs) I will determine the results and present them to everyone. And and yes, to answer your question, we're going to run 90 minutes, but uh, perhaps this is a opportunity for us to make kind of closing mm-hmm. remarks then we'll have the the voting <clears throat> close at about uh, quarter past the hour okay and okay, then carry sure. that um sure. kind of just go free form in, in the okay. last 15 minutes i've got a little a little um bonus round prepped uh, okay nice nice okay, right okay. At the end yeah. <clears throat> well but, please, uh, tony uh, yes tony sorry, please yes tony go ahead so it was just brought up before in one of those super chats. They talked about issues 21 to 27. That is the greatest sub-series in all of G.I. Joe. I, um, the, the most engaging story I've ever read in comics to me is seeing Stalker, Snake Eyes, Tommy in Vietnam, how they came back from the war, how that all evolved. Um, obviously, I, I feel like I've got an ace up my sleeve here with issue 21. Um, it's, <laughs> so it's probably the most well-known G.I. Joe comic of all time. It always gets referred to. Um, although <laughs> I, I, I'm going slightly off tangent here. I did hear in one of the uh, promotional reels for the new Snake Eyes Origins movie, um, Henry Goulding refers to Snake Eyes as being known as the Silent Ninja, and I thought, Aren't they all silent? (laughs) 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 He's well known for a comic that was known as the the silent issue, you know, with no no dialogue. As opposed Um, to the loudmouth ninja. (laughs) The one with the the boom box. I mean, that one's my favorite. If you got, I mean, I love the loudmouth ninja. (laughs) Hey, guys! (laughs) 
<laughs> I, I also particularly like the introduction of Destro. How he think, I think he's in like three or four issues before you ever actually see his face. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like the way that was done, and then the issue Destro attacks, um, I, I particularly enjoy as well. Yeah, that run uh, twenty one to twenty seven had some really good stuff. Uh, the introduction of Zartan, um, I believe, is twenty six, twenty twenty five or twenty six. Um, that's a good one where they're in the swamp. Um, yeah, can't can't refute that. <laughs> but you've got to come on, man. <laughs> I'll tell I'll tell you this much. I'll tell you this much. I'll refute it a little bit. I'm. I'm, and 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 I, you've put me into a place, Stephen, where it makes me a little feel a little awkward because I don't mm-hmm. ever like you know refuting anything Tony says. So this is going to be <laughs> uncomfortable for me. Um, well, I'm glad you guys are on opposite sides of the divide. I, I mean, well, I wonder I, if anyone I, else is twigged to the fact that we've got like a northern hemisphere versus southern hemisphere <laughs> going on here: United States versus Australia. I I've wanted Britain, yeah, South Africa. It's the GI Joe Civil War. I've wanted to come That's see it. Tony, and I'm afraid now I won't have the invite. I'm not about to slam him, of course, but my thing is is that the the introduction of Zartan and the Dreadnoughts and things like that. Yes, Zartan was, as you said earlier. Matt throughout this series he was like the sleeper enemy genius but I was never I was never the biggest fan of the Dreadnoughts and Zartan Um, Mm. they never really clicked for me Um, they were just like these mercenary punks that somehow ended up in both the cartoon and the comic and even the toy line getting this huge foothold in in all of that and um, I know that they were almost bears, which is funny because there was so much lip service paid to Ewoks and the Robo Burbles and Thundercats that this seems like sometimes there's just this offshoot element. But to play my card, if if issues 21 to 27 are the card for for this, my personal card for issues, you know, 50 through 100 is really showing. Like, yes, there's a flashback sequence to Vietnam, which we see their background in 21 to 27, but that is apart from the events of GI Joe, it is a flashback to like the comic book, the nom, mm. not, lit- not literally, but figuratively speaking. Whereas issues 50 to hundred, you get to see how close stalker and snake eyes and storm shadows friendship is for what they're willing to do to help one another. When the chips are down, he's, he's literally willing to fake his own death and risk being, you know, prosecuted not just court-martialed, but, you know, prosecuted and thrown in prison or even executed for, you know, going AWOL, abandonment of, of his duty to go rescue his friend and also risk an entire international incident by teaming up with a former terrorist uh, who used to work, a ninja that used to work for the biggest terrorist organization in the world, while also going into a country that he's not authorized to go into. And his friendship was so strong that he got his girlfriend to agree to do it with him, <laughs> making his <laughs> making his friends so angry when they finally revealed to them after they got back that, oh, yeah, you know, even though G- the G.I. Joe Brass told us nobody's allowed to go after these guys as far as you're, we're concerned, you're, you're, you're locked down to base. Go to the beach, literally. Go to the beach. Don't go get them, which is what they did. But they come back, and Flint is so angry that they didn't let him in on it because – he would have wanted to help. He would have wanted to, you know, help them out. He gets angry at Snake Eyes and Scarlet, and then Lady J has to punch him in the face for being a, you know, for, for <laughs> not, seeing the, cl- yeah, for not yep. seeing the clearer picture. It's like, don't you see they were trying to protect us too? 
Um, so the cartoon made Flint this unassailable hero, but I feel like Larry had it in for Flint. He was like uh, this preppy college grad. Like he, he, he seems to be showing up at every turn a little bit. Yeah. In the comic book run, I find. But yeah, the, that's great. And Mike, to add to that point, <laughs> my favorite element to arise out of that whole, that whole period is, is the way Outback is treated by his buddies. Yep. There's mm-hmm. this great gradient of like roadblock kind of saying, hey, give the guy the benefit of the doubt. And then right. Leatherneck and both, like, both of them probably spoke for larger groups of Joes, but Leatherneck being like, you scumbag. Yeah. How could you leave your buddies? Yeah. Yeah. And then and then the moment when Stalker and the boys arrive back at base and they're like, oh, I'm sure you guys didn't think ill of, of Outback. You know, the only thing keeping us going in that gulag was knowing that he got out with the truth. Right. Uh, and that <laughs> they cut to the rest of the Joes looking very sheepish. Yes. Uh, yeah. That's oh, hairs on the back well, of my neck stuff. Well, and the and the another aspect of that too is that they were on a black op. So he couldn't mm. even explain himself fully. Because that was an unofficial uh, mission, so when all he, he could do is give Leatherneck the point of that knife. Yeah, it's like I don't know what you're talking about, and then he won't let it go, and he's like, "I'll carve you in half, dude." Like, um, yeah. so that was like a, that bit of realism that Hama put into this series. That I mean, overall makes it so good. Um, but I feel like he explores more of that stuff between fifty and, and one hundred and one than he does in the first one through fifty. Uh, mm. That grittiness of like a Joe pulling a knife and putting it to the throat of another Joe. Um, I don't think that would have happened as good as one through 10 were. I don't think we would have seen that with the green shirts, you mm-hmm. know, with the original 13. Yeah. Also, yeah. I'd just like to say real quick, Tony, that um, I hope you uh, understand that I do also love issues 21 through 27 and I will endorse them. If you will forgive me. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, were you, were you head of the debate team at school? <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> I was kept far away from. You know, right, right back at the start of this stream, when when Stephen was pitching the whole, you're on a desert island in a hammock. I was like, we we've been having some emails going back and forward about this panel for some some time, and then when you pitched that, I was like, Steve, you've just moved the goalposts, and now. <laughs> Now Michael and Matt have got a lot further to kick. It was like, that was a nice setup, and I'm glad I'm on your side. Well, it, <laughs> they they fumbled the ball when they didn't introduce the topic by giving me free reign to kind of situate us, and and I'm gonna up the ante a little bit now that we okay. are in the kind of the, the closing arguments session. Not only would this be the more compelling read, one to fifty, um, but also the essential read. If you were to, to strip out one of these periods, uh, the one stands on its own, in spite of the beginning being a little bit of a, a slow burn. Um, the fact that you get Storm, uh, Snake Eyes' origin story within it, it sets up the conflict within Cobra. It sets up Destro as an honorable man. It sets up even this flippy-dippy sci-fi character in Serpentor, uh, who, as I said before, has such great potential probably never really met it, but within one to 50, you've got a far more complete and compelling story than what was to come later, which was there were elements that are perhaps playing more towards Larry's like political whimsy, like Joe's being hamstrung by the jugglers, which is a real world concern, Mm -hmm. but perhaps not such exciting comic book reading. 
Also, I don't know how keen people are reading about banana monopolies uh, <laughs> and banana republics in their, their G.I. Joe book, where they really just want to see toys going... <laughs> So I don't want to I don't want to talk down to our audience, but I think like save the political intrigue for the news and get back to like robots which could win in the air, like a sky striker or a fully kitted out rattler, or giant robots in the pit. <laughs> I'll take it. It's, look, I'm look look. I'm I'm going to appeal. It's a beautifully contained story. Um, oh, it's that, it's literally contained in the pit. <laughs> there's, there's so much fun in the fact that it is a, uh, as we said, contained story. It's it's a it's a confinement drama. It's one of those like bottle episodes of a TV show, which mm-hmm. oftentimes are like the standout episodes. Um, right. The fact that you've got this this desperate struggle happening in the pits to try and keep this this robot from assembling itself, from getting a signal out. Meanwhile, the counterpoint, it's played for laughs, laughs that there's like some kind of tea being held among the, cha- the chaplain assistants and like Hawk and Scarlet are trying to be like, oh, that was a, that was a gas explosion or uh, you know, the guys are getting rowdy downstairs. Um, I, I don't know. I think, I think for all its, uh, its faults as maybe being authentically G.I. Joe and being something else, it's a very, very fun book to go back to. Mm-hmm. And, I'll, and I'll just say for the for the, the latter half uh, to try and appeal to one last time to appeal to Tony's, you know, if you can hear me, Tony, uh, <laughs> you've got in the latter half, you've got snake eyes from neutral to, to helping, you know, snake eyes in, in all these jams. You, you've got him going into his V2 uh urban camo which you and i both love more than the the original you've and i'm just gonna just go nuclear here you've literally got stories like not just the ones we're talking about with outback you know being mistrusted by gi joe but you've got you know scarlet trying to help snake eyes you know find his life again by trying to get him the best surgeon in the world and then all that goes bad because it's all it's all a trick and storm shadow in his v2 urban ninja camo you know climbs cobra's embassy building mm. while it's on fire trying to get to snake eyes who just killed three gimps in a basement stole all their clothes <laughs> and he's going up diehard style and he's he's killing everybody to get to to get to uh scarlet and doesn't know that she's been shot in the head by the baroness and he's gonna kill the baroness and i mean and then you know i i just and then when she finds out that she's had it all wrong and it wasn't snake eyes that killed her brother. And Destro is the one that tells her that, you know, cause Destro is a man of honor and, you know, she realizes everything she's done and she tries to commit suicide, but he won't let her. And hmm. th- you know, then like an issue later, you know, snake eyes says the one word that he's ever said in the whole book, you know, at her, at her hospital bedside, you know, Scarlet, you know, like, ah, oh. and let me just repeat one more time, Tony V2 storm shadow V2. Here's a point for you, Mike. I I think uh, uh, this warrants being added into the chat. Uh, Harmer wrote every book as if it was someone's first. Someone can read the second half just as well as the first. And I'm personally acquainted with this gentleman, and I'm pretty sure he would make the same argument for issues 101 through to 155. Right, right. So it's very valid point. Yeah, there was a great entry point in every issue. Every issue had a hook. I would like to add too that we've barely touched on the Cobra Civil War, but that that arc, um, those three or four four issues, um, that battle 
I feel like is better than the Battle of Springfield and issue 50 and, and 49. Um, a, because it lasts longer, but B, there's so much more moving pieces. Um, Destro comes in out of, you know, out of the blue um, under the cover of uh, that cruise ship, hardly fires a shot and gets exactly what he wants. Mm. Um, the, uh, I can the concede that. Yeah. Yeah. The and recon a team, a little map. <laughs> yeah. They give you the map at the touch. end and they show you where everybody's at. It's almost like the, the beginning of game of Thrones where they show you the, the credits and it's like, here's where all these kingdoms are. Um, but the recon team that goes in that has to take the airfield, um, just the way that was all set up, it, it was beautiful um, mm-hmm. because it all made sense to a 10 year old reading that book going, Oh, okay. So if these guys don't take the airfield, then the rest of the Joe team can't land. And when they do land, because they're on the way, they're going to get chewed up by artillery. It just, all of that stuff, uh, covering the flanks, coming around the volcano, all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just really, really nice. Does, um, does Storm Shadow run. get killed in the by the Baroness in the first half or the second half of the run? Uh, he gets killed before uh, the Battle of Springfield. He gets, oh, he gets oh, shot like Oh, okay, thank goodness. Because I thought for a minute that our half had two characters getting killed and being resurrected cobra commander and storm shadow but since you guys have one in the first half it's a wash so you, you even stevens there you go yeah. <laughs> oh, that was another so thing that didn't really live up to its potential yeah I mean, storm shadow being a reanimated uh corpse essentially mm-hmm. now with the kind of added uh, insight into um sort of all those dead leaders mm-hmm. uh, that's something that larry kind of sweeped under the carpet pretty swiftly. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, never mind that. Tony, what were you saying? <laughs> I've, so I've, I've got my closing argument now. So since you remember my love of Storm Shadow version 2, and you just used that against me. Uh, no, I'm, <laughs> using it to, I'm using it to appeal to your good nature. It's like right now, <laughs> I'm Clark Kent in the junkyard, and you're like Superman in muted colors. And I'm like, no, you know, don't throw me into the crusher. Uh, <laughs> So what I will say to to the audience who are going to vote in the vote in the poll, who's going to win this? If you're on the fence about whether the first fifty issues or the second fifty issues, if you're on the fence and you're undecided, just um, just vote for the best accents on the stream. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> diplomatic I, immunity! I, I, I can't. I I I cannot argue that. Sh- should we do Australian accents? <laughs> I mean, we could. I mean, we could totally do Australian accents. Yeah. That would help. Us. <laughs> oh, yes, red knock, mate. They're oh, riddled with disease. People. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't have said it better myself, Tony. Thank you, thank you. Uh, I believe Mercer's joined the party. What up, Birdie? Felix Stratton, <laughs> the fly attractor. Question for Tony slash analog toys. Opinion on Action Force turning Baron Ironblood into Cobra Commander. Commander, <laughs> rather. I'm not a fan. I'm not a, I'm not a fan of the, the fact that they did that. They could, they could bring Cobra Commander. It was obviously done from a marketing perspective. You know, they were going to stop making... Uh, Palatoy were going to stop making anything new and they were just bringing Hasbro product to the UK. So in the comic storyline, they had to switch it over because the following year, Baron Ironblood wasn't going to be in toy stores. Cobra Commander was. Um, I think in the comic storyline, they maybe should have killed off Baron Ironblood and brought in someone else, but having him morph into Cobra Commander? Mm, no. Hmm. 
Chris Johnston. Sorry, wrong voice. Does the winner get chocolate donuts and grape soda? Man, oh man. If I could FedEx that to the winner, I certainly would. But I, I kind of want to make the point that, like, everyone's a winner. Uh, yeah. We, the readers, are the winners. <laughs> because these are fantastic books. Wherever you jump into them, be it in the first half, second half, they're, yeah, you can't miss, I don't think. Agreed. Bradshaw Studios. I'm just wondering if they ever put Cobra Commander on trial in the TV series. They would have to remove the helmet. No, then it would explode. Yeah, good luck to them. <laughs> yeah, does anyone else think that that's a strange device? That essentially <laughs> it's a failsafe that blows your commander's head off if they try and remove it? Like, you better not just pull it off or else you'll blow my head off. <laughs> I can't live without my hat. <laughs> what are your thoughts on the multiple deaths from issue numbers 108 to 115? Doc, quick kick. Breaker made me cry. Battle Force 2000, not so much. Yeah, nobody shed a tear for them. <laughs> um, that, that was a brutal run. Um, I that That's really, to me, that's the only readable run from 101 to 55, uh, with the exception of number 155, because I, I really don't like the second or the, the last third of that series. Um, but when, when those guys get killed in that pit... Um, that was that was heart wrenching. Even mm -hmm. as uh, I think I was thirteen at the time, and I remember reading that and just being like, "Oh!" <laughs> it was like uh, Transformers: The Movie all over again. Mm -hmm. We got two more super chats, and then I think if you haven't discovered that the link to the poll is in the description to this live stream, well, now I'm oh, telling I, you. I didn't know. I'm going to go vote for myself. <laughs> well, we didn't vote yet. Go for it. Anyways, um, if, if you are watching this, <laughs> scroll on down and uh, hit the link, enter your results. Um, you will have the next, I suppose, five minutes <laughs> to comply. But continue, Mercer. James Salzburg. For Michael to say Tony and Steve are right using Cobra Commander voice. And then <laughs> thankfully, I just saw his other super chat come up saying, I meant the Skeletor voice. Thank goodness. Because otherwise, I'd go into a coughing fit right here. Star <laughs> uh, <laughs> scream! I, I insist. I Tony and Stephen are right. <laughs> I think we just won this. Surprisingly close. Gee, Darren Cobb, Railroad. Iron Blood to Cobra Commander is like having a mean Rottweiler getting neutered. <laughs> <laughs> I like uh, this. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And just so it's on the screen, I meant skeletal <laughs> voice. <laughs> just a reminder to get your votes in. I believe Mindbender's coming back now. And, and yeah, man, that uh, Baron, Baron Ironblood was absolutely ruthless, particularly with his own troops. Just yep. throwing red shadows into the slaughter, into the grinder. It was uh, they had a very hard edge in those early books. So yeah, I'm sure just, Tony, you'd agree with that. Just no, remember to get your votes in soon, and fifty to a hundred. I mean, 
quality, quality books. I mean, just great books. <laughs> this is Michael's audition tape for <laughs> Oliver, the musical. <laughs> hey, you know what? I ain't got no shame at this point. I'm doing what I can to pull this out of the fire. Just imagine yes, if you guys so, were on uh, a vacation and you were in a, in a hammock and you only had two weeks to, to read these comics what which would which would you choose <laughs> come on gents i'm gonna throw some images on the screen let's play a little game of which is the better outfit which look do you prefer this is an easy one right um one's in a green body condom and the other one's in Pants and a jacket. One's wearing his PJs. <laughs> kidding, I, I'd, I'd have to go kidding. with a bomber jacket. I'm. I actually. I will say this. Uh, what What makes Hawks uniform not work is the the green camo is just it's too overstated. Um, right. So I. But also, he wears a fur lined bomber jacket everywhere, and I've seen him wear it in the desert. I've seen him wear it in the jungle, and that is just foolish, which makes me think he's got some sort of hang-up or impairment that he's not reporting. Oh, he's to. trying to endorse an action figure, that's all. He's not, yeah, he's not <laughs> reporting that to Lifeline and Doc, and I think he needs to be screened. Um, so I will give it to Hawk. I'll give it to Hawk on that one. Yeah, I'd go with Very Colonel Hawk. Yeah. Colonel Hawk. Wow, okay. Uh, do we have a dissenting opinion? I mean, I, I, I'm a V2 kind of guy, but uh, yeah, that's the one that I'm more familiar with. The, the MMS was, was something that completely skipped by me. You started this by saying, you know, this is an easy one. This isn't an easy one for me. Oh, okay. okay. I'm, yeah. I'm quite torn, yeah. Um, I, I'm, I think I'm going to have to go Colonel Hawk. What? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Matt, you have the swing vote. Oh, no, not even. No, you no, can break no, us I even. Said, I said Colonel Hawk, yeah. All right. Okay, then Then yeah. Green takes it. Gee whiz. OG13 <laughs> for the win. Next one. Ah. Oh, this isn't even fair. <laughs> <laughs> well, it serves to highlight the point, gents. Yeah, I, I see a theme developing here. <laughs> Absolutely. Nobody the in their right looks. mind. Nobody in their right mind's going to pick Robo Cobra Commander, bro. <laughs> Nobody. Bro, Everybody he, wants to do with the mirrored face. He, he's got he's got super strength in that, bro. He can <laughs> smash stuff. Look at that, look right, at that helmet. Right. Then moving moving right along. <laughs> I mean, unless anyone wants to add something to that, it's a it's a cut and dry victory for mirror face. How about Roblox? Oh, this isn't fair either, isn't it? I prefer. I'll tell you this. I prefer eighty six Roadblocks outfit. I prefer the head sculpt on uh, eighty four. It's, it's tough. It makes more sense. <laughs> Does it? A neon green vest with a big red patch on it? I see that and I say his code name should be Target. It's not neon. <laughs> it's like a lime green. <laughs> I, I, I'm going. I'm He's going. He's wearing a tank top. <laughs> I, yeah, well, guys wore tank tops in the you know mid to early 80s. Mil- <laughs> I I'm, going, I'm going with original Roadblock, even if his head is too big for his body. I'm going with original Roadblock. <laughs> And I'm split, so Tony, you're gonna have to decide this one. I'm gonna go 86 roadblock. What? I like the machine okay. gun. <laughs> you do. Uh, the, like the, uh, the GM yeah. the general purpose GM GPMG. Yeah, yeah. It, it looks like a British GPMG. So, yeah, 
It's a touch oversized though, because they wanted to make it like at least size parity with the Mardus. So yeah. would you yeah. agree that it should be about a third of, or no, two thirds that size? Um, no, I wouldn't say two thirds. I, GPMG is a pretty big weapon. <laughs> okay, right. Well, I'll take it from you, sir. <laughs> Next up, gents. Green shirt rock and roll versus the guy who has basically two car engines as handheld weapons. 89 rock and roll. Okay. Yeah, that's um, it. I, I go 89 rock and roll. And I'll tell you why. Um, that was the closest thing to the Predator minigun that uh, we had in G.I. Joe form at that point. Okay. Um, and he had a lever action rifle, which was kind of cool. If I if I don't go with the original rock and roll, he won't star in any of my GI Joe skits anymore because he'll be mad. <laughs> but I do like the little cap, the the military cap that the re-release one wears, mm -hmm. the redesigned one with the khaki sort of vest top or whatever. Mm -hmm. it's a solid look. But I, I he does have a bullet band around that hat though, which would he get really heavy. Yeah, I, I got to go with OG. I'm going with OG. OG okay. bro. OG bro. Split again. I'm I'm a kid of the latter half of the '80s, so I'm gonna have to issue OG for V2. Tony, what do you say, brother? I've got to go the OG. Yeah, thought so. What's up? <laughs> Destro, do you prefer? Oh man. Okay, so my next door neighbor had this the original when we were growing up, but then I got the only Destro I ever had in, as a child was the second one. But I admit. It's a little. It's it's a lot out there. It's not a little. It's a lot out there. Um, Destro on parade. Else, yeah, somebody else go first. I'm I'm, I'm gonna pick eighty three Destro, even though he is definitely more flamboyant with the uh, the big collar and the open shirt. Um, I feel like it's trading one for the other with the cape on the second version and the gold helmet. Um, a little ostentatious, so I'm gonna stick with the original. Hmm. I'm For me, go I love incorporated weapon systems on a figure. And while you can assume that version 2 has, has something to it, I think it's more ceremonial. Like, no. the sword is not a weapon. It is no. a showpiece. Like, I think what they did with the sculptor, the figure particularly, is they have him in a situation where he was at some ceremony, and then he's having to respond to an emergency. Mm -hmm. So yeah. that's why his boot cuff is pushed <clears throat> down, and he's hastily attached a holster on his left side because the sword scabbard is occupying the right side. This is a very impromptu moment that we've caught Destro. He's, he's like, oh, crap, I need to respond to a situation developing on the, on the grounds. Let me hop in my despoiler now. Whereas version <laughs> one, ah, the wrist rockets, such a great detail. I got to go with version one as well. I mean, all my common sense says version one and knowing that he was good enough to be a completely different character in Action Force, he it, mm. whereas the other guy was just always Destro, you know, Iron Grenadier Destro. I'm going to go with the OG. OG for me. All righty. <laughs> can I pick, things can get I a little bit tougher. <laughs> I think um, I know where two of the gents in this. Uh, yeah, this I'm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I still want to get one of those V2 Storm Shadows and paint him to look like the golf course ninja from the beginning of Ninja 3. <laughs> oh. You can actually pick up a, a 2000s version that's already kind of that color. Nice. Yeah. Like so, yeah, I, I, I loved V1 growing up. I had him as a kid. 
But when I saw V2, I was like, yes. Um, mm -hmm. Not not always the better weapons combo, I'll admit, but the better looking figure all the way around. And I love the claw. I Look, love the claw. At least V2 can hold his swords, whereas yes. I'm really battling to get V1 mm -hmm. to grip those those very dainty swords. Yes. And I'll, let's not even get started on the bow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I love V1 for what he is, and he's a ninja, so I love him by default. But V2 is 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 my jam. So I'd say V2, even though I, I, I do love version one, I hate his accessories. Mm. Um they're they're unusable, they're they're I, I just despise them. Uh and I also like that V1 looks like Franco Nero from uh Enter the Ninja. Oh yes. That's yeah. true. The eyes. Totally. That's true. That's true. Yeah, the Italian the first Italian ninja. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Franco. Um, but yeah, I go V2. Tony, V1, right? No, I lie. You're a V2 guy, aren't you? For one reason only. Uh, if, okay. if, if, if you had put up, like you did with Destro, where you had just Comic Art up there, yes. if you had chosen Comic Art, it would be version one for me. But if we're talking action figures here, version one Storm Shadow's head looks like a potato. <laughs> so it looks I'm like a sad two. potato. <laughs> A sand potato, yeah. He looks like you just took something from him, and he's like... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, gents, I'm going to have to hurry us along, but the, the final round, you could have guessed it. Oh! Oh, this is mean. Okay. Um, you, know, you know what? I, Steve, I, you, you might have been one of a, a really good uh, Cobra Embassy torturer with the way you're doing this. I mean, you might have been... <laughs> really fitting in with those guys the pain and, brothers oh, yeah. yeah um my um, my emotions tell me to go with the original commando because i but i i really really have a love for snake eyes with the wolf and the falchion sword it'll never mm. be it'll never be version three for me even though i don't mind that one i don't like his weapons i like the way he looks though Gimp suit and all, but I really think I really think I'm gonna go with two. I love I love one, and I like it, how far away he is from Ninja. With that, I love the Commando everything, but there's something about having that falchion sword and having the uh, timber with him. And so, eighty five Snake Eyes, best figure in the entire line. Way in, end of answer. Okay. <laughs> nice, strongly Please worded point. Words. <laughs> <laughs> then I'm gonna what the hell be the underdog and say V3 it okay. just had a certain mystique to me growing up and those weapons man mm -hmm. I, I'd gladly trade up a, a wolf for just the kind of arsenal that V3 comes with mm -hmm. mm. yep all the bases are covered That's Tony gun. <laughs> well so since the, the one on the left um his name is Stalker, and he came with the SAS Panther, so he doesn't actually even count. Ooh. And I didn't like the one on the right in Pulp Fiction, so I've got to go with version two. <laughs> okay, well, V2 sweeps the boards, but it was uh, was to be expected. I'll, 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 I'll take my dissenting opinion elsewhere. But I love uh, V3. Paul. I love V3. Love it. I'm mm. with you. I love it. Thank you, thank you. Paul, do we have a result, my friend? we got to wrap this up. These men have uh, 
well, other places to be, I'm sure, or bed. Bed. <laughs> Everybody's yeah. doing a brand new dance now. <laughs> <laughs> Did you say every Baldi's doing? <laughs> I know you'll get to like it if you give it a chance now. <laughs> You're supposed to sing along. I, I'm loving this. I'm loving this on a level that I don't think anybody else is picking up on. But I'm loving <laughs> it. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. I also oh, yeah. like Kylie Minogue. <laughs> <laughs> so the poll results are in. And... It's looking well. Uh, issues 51 to 101 got 12 votes. Very nice, gentlemen. Very good. Issues 1 to issues 50 got 51 votes. <laughs> <laughs> Not surprised. Well, I think at the end of a good debate, one should shake hands with the opposition. <laughs> so I'm giving you a, a virtual handshake, gentlemen. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Tony, for being the best teammate I could have ever hoped for. <laughs> I was cheating. Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. Oi, oi, oi. And thank you, Dr. Mindbender, for your cameos. Uh, Mercer, Stormsheller, you guys it's are the best. It's much pleasure. <laughs> good to be here on screen again. I must torture Lady J on next episode. <laughs> anyway, thank you. <laughs> Goodbye now. Paul, get on camera, brother. <laughs> what a legend. Wow, there he is. Paul woke up at 3 a.m., Central African time to uh, to assist. Thank you very much, my friend. Oh, it's a pleasure, dude. Didn't want you to do this one by yourself, man. So, <laughs> what a chance. yeah. This has been fun, guys. Uh, really appreciate everything. And yeah, this has been this has been a really really fun stream to be on, and all that's due to you, uh, Steve and Paul. I mean, GI Joe Berg's always a lot of fun just to listen to and be an audience member from. But you guys have made my first. Uh, guest appearance on G.I. Joe Berg, one for the books. So thank you. And mine as well. <laughs> <laughs> one for the comic books. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ah! Zing. Go ahead, I, I really enjoyed spending all that time with Dr. Mindbender. I never thought I would say that in my life. But... <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll have you know now that Paul kept that one pretty close to the chest. He didn't even tell me. But on the way out, thank you, Retro Blossing. Thank you, Analog Toys, for Iconicon. I'm having the time of my life. Um, this has kind of been a pretty big deal for G.I. Joburg, which is a passion project that Paul and I birthed <laughs> together <laughs> dramatically uh, <laughs> back in 2011. And uh, it's come a long way and, and we're just loving, loving doing what we do, like talking about toys and having this kind of feedback and back and mm -hmm. forth with the fans. Thanks to everyone who joined the chats. Thanks to everyone who gave super chats, everyone who voted, everyone who promoted these posts. Yeah, huge and, thanks. And I'd like to just say one thing to everybody listening right now who may be coming from analog or retro blasting. If you guys love 80s retro stuff and you love G.I. Joe, you would be remiss to walk away from this or click away from this after it's done and not hit subscribe on G.I. Joe Berg because I have been following them for years. When they were had their podcast, I, I've been listening to that consistently 
for years. Every time they bring up Scoop now, I just get a little bit of a thrill. Um, <laughs> even though I'm not, I don't hate Scoop, but I just never really had him as a kid. It's just fun to be in on the joke. It's fun to be in on their friendship and everything. Um, and this this YouTube channel is a, is a firm extension of that philosophy with them. So they make great content, just like their Tomahawk video that they just dropped right before the stream. Um, it was putting a, it was putting smiles on Melinda and April's faces upstairs, and they're they're not even that into GI Joe. They just love watching your content. So guys, hit subscribe the on GI Joe. Yeah, <laughs> thanks, hit, Mike. That's, yeah. Uh, yeah, very humbling words, man. Thank you, thank you. Mm -hmm. That is a fantastic endorsement and uh, very heartfelt. Thank you for everything that you guys do. And uh, before I we start running too long, something to what the, Michael was saying. The simple fact that you guys have actually sailed a flag on water, you will go down in the history books of G.I. Joe fandom forever. If you've, you've etched your name in stone. That's uh, true. Well, we right? had to do something to up our game. Like everyone started <laughs> doing the, the skateboard modification to their flags. So it's like, well, put it in the ocean, guys. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, go big or go Speaking home. of which, I need to get back to my flag. That's many, many time zones away. Anyways, catch all the rest of the Iconicon contributors, guys. If you are looking for a way to find and locate them, I mean, it should be obvious by now, but Retroblossing has very kindly put together an entire playlist so that you do not miss anything. So check out their channel, go to playlists, and check out the Iconicon playlist. Everything that has been is already there for, for your watching if you want to catch them on the, on the catch-up. And everything that is forthcoming and will be live and you can join in the party will be listed for your convenience. So easy. Wonderful. There are like 50 different new items of content produced this weekend alone. It's a good time. It's a good time. Oh, yes. It's going to be a busy week. <laughs> Yo, Joburg, everybody. Yep. Yo, Joburg. Yo, Joburg. Yo, Joburg. Uh, <laughs> <Lord> ninja. <laughs> <laughs>